Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Sunday Brunch Edition. Yeah, you might be making some omelets. Maybe you're coloring some eggs for Easter a week ahead. Maybe you're just enjoying some spring weather on the back deck with a mimosa or just a good cup of coffee. Well, we've got the right news fair for you. We've got a great show ahead of us. Senator Ron Johnson. Yeah, we call him Ron John here in Washington. One of the big defenders of truth, whether it comes to Russia collusion, the Ukraine impeachment, COVID and the COVID vaccines and vaccine injury or January 6th. He has been fighting for the truth. And every time he was called a conspiracy theorist, it turns out he was proved right. He was right. The media, the Democrats maligned him and they were wrong. Well, Ron Johnson has a lot to say about this week, including some new revelations about Joe Biden's classified documents, including the files that were taken to Boston by his lawyer. Ron Johnson got a big update on that. And he's got a lot to say about January 6th, including that video footage we alerted to you earlier in the week. Some troubling stuff in that Metropolitan D.C. police, D.C. cops caught on their own cameras yelling, go, 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 as the crowd was trying to go into the Capitol, also doing things like chanting MAGA in our house, not your house, sort of incendiary consorting words with the then burbling crowd, a crowd that was starting to wind out of control. John Johnson's going to bring us up to speed on that in the second half of the show. Andrew Clyde, congressman from Georgia, doing some really important work, a key member of the House Freedom Caucus, working on issues of freedom and particularly how to use the budget process, the power of the purse, to rein in big government. He's going to bring us up to speed on that. Followed by Austin Scott, another great congressman from Georgia, member of the House Intelligence Committee. We're going to get his reaction to the Donald Trump indictment, to the issues pending before the House Intelligence Committee. That's going to be a great interview. And then Kirk Cameron, the actor from Growing Pains fame, a great man of Christian faith. He's been doing a tour around the country of libraries, reading family-friendly books, Christian faith books to family families. Hundreds of parents and kids show up. Some of the libraries have been trying to cancel them. Kirk Cameron's going to bring us up to speed on that. And then we're going to finish up with a really fun conversation with Michael Watley. He is the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party, 
and also the new general counsel for the Republican National Committee. I think he has some thoughts about the politics of Donald Trump's indictment, how this may play out for the country, for Donald Trump, for the other contenders, Joe Biden, and the Republican contenders for the 2024 nomination, the Mike Pence's, the Ron DeSantis's, the Nikki Haley's, and Vivek Ramaswamy's, and others. That's going to be a great conversation. Put a little political twist on things before we head into the weekend. All right, buckle your seatbelt. We've got a great Sunday brunch ahead. Senator Ron Johnson, right after the commercial break. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you your 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Our first guest, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, just got confirmation about another nine boxes of records that Joe Biden's lawyers took to Boston. He joins us now with an update. Senator, always great to have you in the show, sir. Well, John, uh, glad to be with you. Big moment today. Uh, obviously, America First Legal gets some information about the D.C. stash of documents, but nine boxes of dem- uh, documents in Boston. We finally have been able to confirm the FBI got a look at those, right? 
Right, and, and the National Archives doesn't appear to have gotten a look at it. We're, you know, one thing Senator Grassley and I are, are trying to do is just get a straight story. Yeah. Uh, you know, this information comes trickling out. If you remember, you know, Joe Biden admitted he had a few classified documents. His uh, attorneys were going through this, and you know, then all of a sudden there were a few more and a few more, some more different locations. Now, obviously, the Department of Justice, the FBI, is handling President Biden completely. Uh, in a completely different way than they are uh, former President Trump. It's uh, again, it's it's not a it's not an equal system of justice. Yeah, that it isn't. Mm, certainly not. And it's not something I think Americans have also observed is so much pushback and resistance from this administration and its agencies to to answer just simple simple questions. Uh, what's the content of these 1,100 pages? I know the American people would be interested in knowing. On this issue alone, have you received uh, comparable pushback to other issues that you've been investigating? Like everyone, uh, John's well aware of this. I mean, I, I've been trying to extract information out of both the Trump administration and the Biden administration. By the way, information that President Trump wanted extracted from his agencies, they still couldn't get. I mean, I, I had to subpoena FBI Director Christopher Ray. They slow walked that. Uh, yeah, President Trump declassified a bunch of uh, documents uh, on his uh, last day or two in office. We've never seen even one page of that. So these agencies are excellent at uh, slow walking. Uh, the deep state knows what it did, and they're, they're, they don't give up their secrets very easily. That they don't. In fact, sir, I know you were a very successful businessman before you joined the Senate. I think you're going to leave Washington with a dental business because you are written very good at extracting teeth from bureaucrats. It's uh, just crazy <laughs> what's going on. I want to take you to something. I want to walk people through something because I think you deserve this credit and you don't get it often. You were right about the FBI. You were mocked about it. You were right about the FBI and Russia collusion. You were mocked about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. You were right about that. The president lied to us about those relationships. You've uh, you raised real concerns about vaccine safety and the efficacy of the vaccine. You've been proven right about that. Now, some of the concerns you began raising about January 6th, long before anyone else, they're beginning to come into focus. And I want to ask you about one thing we reported earlier this week. Federal prosecutors last Saturday went into court and said, hey, there's some uh, footage. It's actually, I think, from GoPro cameras on D.C. Metropolitan Police officers in which you can see the D.C. police officers yelling, go, 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 not your not their house, our house, seemingly trying to exhort some of the protesters that day to go into the Capitol. Why would officers be doing that? And why don't we know about that video footage until just now? Well, we don't know about it because it goes against the narrative of thousands of armed insurrection, insurrectionists of all involved in sedition against the United States government. Uh, you know, if you remember, uh, I entered J. Michael Waller's uh, uh, eyewitness testimony into uh, our hearing record, and I was immediately branded a conspiracy theorist. Uh, you know, he, he was a highly uh, qualified uh, observer. He went there to observe, wrote his eyewitness testimony before he listened to any news coverage whatsoever. And his testimony stood the test of time. What he observed was four distinct groups. He called them provocateurs. I'd call them agitators. Uh, he observed on the west side of the Capitol, not one visible police officer. Uh, what's that all about? You, you know, I've written uh, a number of oversight letters uh, shortly after January 6th. Uh, been, you know, been gotten basically non-response responses. Um, th th there is a much larger story about January 6th that's not being told right now because it's been covered up by uh, by the establishment, by Democrats, uh, by the mainstream media. They, they, they want the narrative that half Americans are potentially domestic terrorists. Uh, they showed up in January 6th trying to take down the government. Uh, and th that's just not what happened. Yeah. 
Definitely not. Sir, something else that you have been uh, a bulldog on all along, a lot of this information that was extracted from your second opinion panel with regarding COVID, and we are learning more and more, but I wanted to ask you about um, this this assumed coordination that Democrats seem to be okay with, with with regards to our medical sovereignty and the World Health Organization's American, I think, are pretty universally skeptical about any foreign influence on our medical system. People are concerned about the fact that so many of our important pharmaceuticals are produced in countries like China. I would love it if you could help me understand why so many members of Congress uh, are seemingly unconcerned about surrendering our medical sovereignty to, to a global body. I can't answer that question, but this is something I certainly learned about uh, in February 2020 when I held my first roundtable on, on COVID. By the way, this is what the health committees ought to have been uh, looking at to, you know, looking into holding hearings on. But as Chairman Homeland Security Government Affairs, I was the only one that was really looking into, into this. So I found out that we do not produce precursor chemicals or the active pharmaceutical ingredients, the API for, for most drugs. That's done in China and India. It's an enormous national security risk. And yet we've spent literally trillions in response to the COVID pandemic, a more than trillion dollar infrastructure bill, have we even spent a dime trying to reshore those types of products? How about EMP and GMD, you know, protecting our electrical grid? I mean, there's so many things that we just ignore. We're just whistling by the graveyard in terms of a debt and deficit as well. But I, I can't explain it. It drives a guy like me nuts here in Washington, D.C., that we just ignore these very serious threats to our nation's security. It is amazing. We've been distracted by meaningless things and we're ignoring the things that really have the future consequence of our country there. You you don't get distracted. You stayed on this. And I want to focus on something that is coming into so much more crystal clear uh, picture. And you were the first. And when you did this, you took a lot of ridicule. But history has shown you were on the asking the right questions. There are questions about the efficacy of the vaccine. We know what they are now. Even CDC acknowledges that. But the vaccine safety record, the adverse events, particularly among the military, you've been fighting to get that out there. Is this the, the period of time, the next few months, where we might get some data that will fill in the blanks about just how many Americans may have been injured by the vaccine? Well, we won't get the data voluntarily. Right. Uh, but you know, we have data. Now, I, I've been concerned about... Uh, well, this VAERS system has been screaming at us since early 2021. Now, back then, there were a couple thousand deaths reported worldwide in the VAERS system. Back back then, about 40% were occurring on day zero, one, or two. Now, there was the day of vaccination within one or two days, deaths. Uh, right now, it's about 25% of almost 35,000 deaths worldwide. That would certainly concern me. And I realize VAERS doesn't prove causation, but the other problem with VAERS is it dramatically understates the number of adverse events and deaths. So I, I've been concerned about this. I asked Francis Collins about this in April of 2021. He very cavalierly just looked at me and said, well, you know, Senator, people die. Um, so our, our health agencies have not been following this. They've not been honest. They've not been transparent. But to the extent they have information, they, they have not been providing to the American public transparently. I think a lot of it they've just decided not to collect because it uh, goes against their narrative about a safe and effective vaccine. Uh, this is just not an accurate narrative. Yeah, it isn't. 
Sir, I wanted to rewind a little bit to that time in American history that I hope in the future we will look back at and laugh, although it was a very scary moment at the time, when we heard about this disinformation board. And at the beginning, uh, Secretary Mayorkas said, oh, everything's good, up and up. I think he used the term best practices. And via a FOIA request, we have seen that a lot of the communications between the head of that disinformation board, Nina Jankowitz, and her staff has been heavily redacted with regards to talking points. Uh, there their legal means of defending people who oppose it. I thought that this was a perfectly legal program that was right on par with the Constitution. <laughs> well, I know you didn't really think that, but that's what you were told by this very dishonest <laughs> and very opaque administration. You know, I mean, just going into the COVID situation, you know, now we know because of the Twitter files that they were uh, labeling absolutely true information is misinformation. Of course, the rationale they use is, boy, if you let the truth out, it might create vaccine hesitancy. Now, if people actually realize people are dying from these shots, that uh, the number of adverse events is skyrocketing, they might have a little vaccine hesitancy. Well, uh, that has backfired on them spectacularly because they have not been honest, they have not been transparent. Vaccine hesitancy, I think, is going through the, is skyrocketing through the roof. And probably legitimately so. There are so many unanswered questions about uh, the COVID vaccine, things that uh, we are not being told the truth about. But it's even broadening into other vaccines as well. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Congressman Andrew Clyde, one of the rising and most important voices in Congress these days. He's a man that's working on the purse strings every day to figure out how we can rein in government and government abuses. He's up next. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time 
IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Georgia Congressman Andrew Clyde. Congressman, thank you so much for being here. Amanda, it's great to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. We are happy to have you. And uh, I want to get into the success that you've had standing up to what seems like the pro-crime and anti-police D.C. city leadership. But I want to first ask about the conditions of the January 6th defendants, those allegations that they made. Are they true? Can you just briefly describe to us the conditions that they're experiencing there at D.C. uh, at Department of Corrections there? Well, it was uh, a privilege to get to uh, see the folks on Friday afternoon and uh, give them some encouragement and and just talk to them. Uh, I wanted I knew that this coming week or this week I would have uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland in front of me. And so I wanted to ask him about uh, the Sixth Amendment, you know, and that is the 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 right to a speedy trial. And I don't think these J6 defendants have had a speedy trial. And so um, I talked to him about that. He said that the Department of Justice's responsibility is to to protect all uh, rights for citizens, you know, all constitutional rights. And um, so as a result, uh, I, I pinned him on the January 6th folks about a speedy trial. And, um, you know, he claimed to know nothing and uh it was a pretty disappointing response from him, but you know, it highlighted to the country the problem that we're having here in that these people, uh, these January 6th defendants are languishing without a speedy trial and their Sixth Amendment rights are being violated. Yeah, such an important issue and so few people have had the courage like you to speak up about it and get it in front of people because justice should be blind. That's what we've been promised our entire Republic's history. And for most of it, it has been. But the last few years, it doesn't feel that way. I want to turn to the District of Columbia because you are leading on so many uh, aspects of this. The city seems to be content letting the the lawlessness that's been going on here the last couple of years just go crazy. They were going to decriminalize carjackings. Um, we had a Senate staffer stabbed in the head just a couple of days ago. Talk about why uh, what the House has done this week is so important to reining that in. And we also have had a member of Congress, a Democrat Angie Craig, assaulted That's in her right. apartment complex in the elevator there. And so it was so important that Congress engage here uh, to take down the revised criminal code act that the city of D.C., that their city council uh, put into law. Uh, the mayor vetoed it. They overrode her veto. And so Congress, um, I wrote the bill for Congress to uh, to execute and take down this very, very dangerous legislation, which would have um, uh, accelerated crime in the city. It would not have been good for, for the citizens of Washington, D.C. And they've got another bill. Uh, I've got another bill coming up that uh, it, deals with the police department because the D.C. Council has had a bill, a temporary bill in place for two years now uh, to reimagine the police department. And they wanted to make it permanent. We're going to take that down, that bill down as well, because as a result of their policies, they have lost over 1,100 police officers, almost 1,200 in the last two years. And you can't wow. control crime when you don't have law enforcement officers. Wow, that's a stunning number. Wow. 
Sarah, I wanted to dig in on this a little bit because I see some, I think I see something interesting happening. And I brought this up a couple days on the show. You know, President Biden has tweeted recently some very gaslighting tweets about how uh, Republicans are the ones who want to defund border agents. Republicans are the party of defunding police. And now with your bill blocking, uh, blocking this DC crime bill, you had bar- bipartisan support. Are we getting to the place where Democrats are finally realizing that with respect to, to border crime, to crime in the interior, crime in our nation's capital, that crime doesn't win with their voters? Well, absolutely. Crime doesn't win with their voters. And but we're seeing better leadership. You know, under Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats were in lockstep because uh, she's threatened them. Uh, that's not the way we Republicans work. And uh, we want to bring good legislation forward. And as a result, the Democrats have come on board with us. And my bill, I had 31 of them cross the aisle in the Senate, 33 of them cross the aisle uh, and voted with us because it's good legislation. We do the right thing because it's the right thing to do for the country. And then just see what happens. And lo and behold, the president changed his mind. The Senate changed their mind. And that's and as a result, uh, we've got good legislation for the country. Yeah, that was a big moment when the president reversed himself. That doesn't very, happen very often in Washington, and a real victory for you and your colleagues who worked so hard to get this right. Um, we're two years and two months after January 6th, and we're still beginning to learn only the basic facts here. Earlier this week, Congressman Laudermilk put out some compelling evidence that the Democratic January 6th committee knew it was falsely accusing. They already knew he didn't lead a reconnaissance tour, and yet they chose to accuse him of it anyway to keep the evidence secret. How concerned are you about the what we don't know about January 6th? Because if you don't know everything, we can't fix the problems that occurred that day. Kind of crazy to learn about the Laudermilk evidence two, two years and two, uh, two months later, right? Oh, the Democrats are famous for hiding evidence that they don't want seen. Exculpatory evidence that would show that that people have not done wrong. Uh, They want to drive a narrative, uh, their narrative, and they want to create the evidence that does it. Uh, So I'm thrilled that that the thousands upon thousands of hours of videotape uh, has been made available. And I'm certain that we're going to find more evidence out there uh, what the Democrats wanted to hide, uh, which will prove that um, that there were serious problems that uh, or really problems that Nancy Pelosi created as speaker. She was speaker of the House um, for two years before January the 6th. The, the all of the law enforcement works for the speaker and um, and she's uh, she's the top dog. Uh, they run to her drumbeat. And um, and she's going to be held responsible, I believe. Sir, speaking of maybe hiding footage or maybe it's just the fact that we're just now seeing it. But this uh, body cam footage from D.C. police where they are uh, telling January 6th attendees, to go, 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 go ahead. What what world are we living in where D.C. police are embedded in this in in this act and saying these types of things? Well, you know, it just goes to show you the more video that comes out, the more transparent uh, the process is going to become. And the more that the people of the of America see really what happened and see that the narrative that the Democrats are driving is a false narrative. And that's the whole thing. The January 6th committee wasn't set up 
to bring the truth out. It was to drive a preconceived narrative and to create the evidence that basically backs up their narrative. And now that narrative is falling apart because the real evidence, the truth is coming out. And we will see more and more and more of that in the future. And I'm just happy to see it. And I'm, uh, I'm believing that uh, it will be good for our country. Yeah, it will be. It's so important. Transparency has always been the greatest solution in our country, and you've been bringing so much of it with all the work you've done, sir. I want to turn to a subject that was a, kind of a, a stark admission from one of the Biden cabinet members early this week. That uh, I think it was HHS admitted that they had been spending unauthorized funds for Title X, which provides abortion referrals. So tax dollars going to abortion referrals. I know a lot of members of Congress worried about the lack of oversight of so much money being spent right now. Uh, oh, absolutely. I believe that might have been my question um, to the secretary there. <laughs> might have been. But, um, but you know, we in Congress have authorizing committees and we have appropriating committees. I'm on an appropriating committee, not an authorizing committee. And in, it's my firm belief that you do not you do not appropriate money to that which is not authorized. You know, Title 10 uh, in HHS has not been authorized since 1985. 85. Wow. So how in the world are is money being appropriated to a an unauthorized agency or an unauthorized program in the federal government? That's not the way things work. So until a program is authorized, we should not be appropriating money to it. Uh, and and the labor secretary there, I mean, he was a member of Congress. He was on an authorizing committee uh, for many of his years in Congress. He was on Ways and Means. So, um, you know, they know what, what's going on here and they know it's wrong. And it's, there's a new sheriff in town and uh, <laughs> uh, a new Republican majority. And we're going to hold That's to great. the authorizing, uh, oh, appropriating that which is authorized. All right, folks. Congressman Austin Scott, House Intelligence Committee. He'll join us after the commercial break. He's working on protecting civil liberties with the renewal of the FISA law, the surveillance law. He also has some strong thoughts about President Trump's indictment. We'll get all that reaction right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad free top podcasts included with your prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's Amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Georgia Congressman Austin Scott, one of our favorite guests to have on this show. Sir, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks, Amanda. John, good to see you. And, and look, what I would ask people to look at is look at the timing of the, of the release from the, from the district attorney. Uh, he waited until Congress left town. If we were in town, we would obviously have a, a much easier way of of talking about all of the things that were going on with this district attorney and the politicization. Obviously, if you're Antifa, you get a get-out-of-jail-free card with this guy. Um, and, and then he waits until 
you know, Congress leaves town for 14 days. Democrats have a history of doing this. If you look at, back at what Barack Obama did with Libya and other things, uh, they, they are very intentional with their timing of everything that they do in their, in their political orchestration of things. And so uh, if I were Trump's attorney, I'd be, I'd be asking that question. Now, his attorneys are much smarter than I am, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, is an American citizen, and he's got constitutional rights. And if if you are listening to this podcast, this show, uh, if you're an American citizen, every one of us out there over the age of 18 has committed some type of crime. Big, small, little. Uh, if you filed a tax return, probably uh, your tax return's not perfect. Uh, they have hunted Donald Trump and his family for years and years and years. The thing that separates America from other countries is the government does not have the right to hunt an American citizen. Whether you like him or not, the government does not have the right to hunt Donald Trump, to hunt the Trump Organization, to hunt his family. And, and every Democrat out there who believes in civil liberties should be standing up and saying this is wrong. And unfortunately, you've got people like Speaker Pelosi saying, oh, well, he can go prove his innocence. Well, the difference in America and other countries is in America, you don't have to prove your innocence. That's what the Constitution is about. So we've got a Manhattan district attorney who's owned by George Soros. And who knows, maybe George Soros is going to give him a personal bonus uh, for getting a picture of Donald Trump, you know, uh, getting his fingerprints taken. But, uh, you know, Donald Trump's attorneys are going to have a field day with these clowns once they get into the courthouse. And it's just a travesty of justice that this is going to happen. And, And listen... I think I think the tell all in this is that, you know, the majority of Democrats believe this is a political witch hunt. And when the majority of Democrats believe it's a political witch hunt, then then there you have it. And, you know, the rest of them have Trump derangement syndrome so bad that they can't tell the truth from, um, you know, anything else when, when it includes his name. But it, it's just it's sad. And uh, there have to be consequences. There have to be consequences for this district attorney when this is all said and done with. And there have to be consequences for those who support him. Sir, I wanted to ask you about what what effect this is going to have on the Republican Party, because um, as far as the Republican caucus on Capitol Hill, there there's a diversity of opinion, people, you know, different factions on on the economy, on foreign policy, a lot of diversity. But is this something that you think will will unify Republicans? Oh, oh, look, look, Amanda, I'm one of those Republicans who who I will tell you, I was Donald Trump was my president right now. Uh, I personally have other candidates that I would prefer to be the Republican nominee uh, in, in the next election cycle. And, and that has to do with uh, what I believe in Donald Trump. His policies are great. I think there is a tendency to spike the football before you cross the goal line. And, and that is that has hurt us politically as, as Republicans and the things that we're trying to do. I think he'd be the president of the United States right now if he'd had a little bit of discipline and, and not going on Twitter and saying saying all of the things that he did. Uh, so I'm very concerned about uh, about the 2024 elections as we push forward. Now, I, I do think that what they just did, I think the Manhattan District Attorney, I think that the Democratic Party, I think this is orchestrated. I think that the Democrats want Donald Trump to be uh, the Republican nominee for president. And I'll tell you, the difference now is, Everybody's got a chance to see just how liberal Joe Biden actually is and just how bad his policies are uh, for America's economy. And so I truly believe if it's if it's 
if it's Trump versus Biden again, I think Donald Trump beats him. And the Democrats think that if it's Trump versus Biden, uh, they think Donald Trump is the only person that Joe Biden can beat. And um, and and this is that's the political calculation on their on their part. It is amazing to think that a legal case is coming down to all this political discussion, but that's really what's at the heart of it. We've seen it. It's what it Brad campaigned actually to say, I'll be the guy that gets Donald Trump. So we know what his intention was. I want to flip you for a second to the consequences because you are a bottom line guy. You want to get things done. You want to hold consequences. Yesterday, Speaker McCarthy said, listen, Congress is going to make sure there are consequences to Alvin Bragg. Can you give us some sense of what Republicans could responsibly do uh, to, to create some consequences, to create some transparency so this doesn't keep repeating itself in the future? Right. So, so there's a couple of things that have to happen here. Number one, the investigations of Joe Biden and how he and his family have become so wealthy and, and why they have so many, uh, you know, limited partnerships and all of all these other businesses set up. You know, why, why do the Bidens have all of these uh, partnerships set up that don't seem to have any business purpose? Did they even file tax returns on those partnerships? You know, why are they taking money from China? So, so that that investigation has got to continue to go on. And I think Jamie Comer will continue to do a good job of it. Uh, with that, and I think there's going to continue to be things exposed about uh, Joe Biden and his family. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a member of Congress. I make $175,000 a year. That's a lot more than most people in this country make. I, I don't think you can get to be worth as much money as Joe Biden is, honestly, uh, with, with that type of income. And so he needs to answer some questions about where his net worth came from. And I, let me say this on Donald Trump. Donald Trump left office worth less money than he was when he was elected. Let me say one more time. Donald Trump left office worth less than he was when he was elected. If you look at Barack Obama and Joe Biden, they've made millions upon millions upon millions in their political career. So, you know, that needs to be looked into. Now, now we're going to continue those investigations on President Biden and his family and where all of that wealth has come from. And then I think, you know, on the other side, through the, through the Judiciary Committee, um, with Jim Jordan and those on the Judiciary Committee, then I think you're going to have to look at uh, prosecutorial misconduct and whether or not prosecutors in this country should be exempt from uh, liability. Now, these prosecutors like to talk, these left-wing liberal prosecutors and George Soros prosecutors want to take away, um, you, you know, immunity from police officers yet they want to maintain it for themselves. I guarantee you if, if this prosecutor did not have immunity uh, for his actions, he would not have filed this against Donald Trump. So maybe we need to be looking at uh, how a prosecutor who abuses his power the way this Manhattan district attorney has done becomes personally liable and potentially criminally chargeable for, for their actions. And, and the state of Georgia has actually created a framework where prosecutors uh, who operate outside of their bounds uh, could be reviewed by their peers and, and potentially removed from office. Sir, we've just got about a minute left. Um, you, you brought up Nancy Pelosi's tweet earlier, and she, it almost seems like she accidentally said the quiet part out loud because she referenced President Trump having to prove his innocence, which is not how uh, things go in this country. Um, but he is going to go before a jury of his peers if it gets that far. My concern mm -hmm. is that his peers in New York are 
non-existent. Oh, I, I, I don't think so. Look, I, I mean, Don, Donald Trump, the economy was good under Donald Trump. I think people realize that from a policy standpoint, just how good of a president he was. I, I personally believe that Donald Trump lost because of the tweets and the Twitters and, and the tone, if you will, of some of the things that he said. But from a policy standpoint, Donald Trump's policies were good for this country and good for the American citizens. And even if someone disagrees with him politically, there's still some honest people uh, out there that are still voting Democrat. He, he, he's going to be he's going to be found innocent. All right, folks, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s like I did, you're going to remember our next guest, Kirk Cameron. He played Mike Seaver on Growing Pains. And then all these years later, he's been such an influential force in Christian circles in Hollywood, always trying to find good and be a force of good. And right now he's been doing a tour of libraries around the country to do family-friendly reading hours, kind of countering some of the drag queen shows and other things that have been going on. He joins us next to talk about why some libraries in blue cities are trying to cancel him and how he's dealing with it. You won't want to miss that right after these commercial messages. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Somebody who's bringing people together for a great story time, a family-friendly story time, something we don't often get in today's public libraries, is uh, Kirk Cameron. He has done such a great job. He's got his Brave Story, our book tour. It's making news all over this country. This past week, he was in Washington, D.C., in New York, and parents are coming by the hundreds and thousands to enjoy that time with him and to give something special to their children. And we're lucky enough to have Kirk join us at the top of the show today. Kirk, great to have you on. Great, great to be with you both, uh, John and Amanda. Thanks, thank you for uh, taking time to talk with me. It's a great honor. We love what you're doing. You left a wonderful vapor trail here in the nation's capital. Uh, <laughs> lots of people just excited <laughs> to know that they can have a safe, fun family hour reading some books at the library. Something that isn't always certain with all of the garbage that's gotten in there into those libraries over the last few years. Tell us a little bit about what motivated you to do this, John. I I have six children. I can't think of anything more precious and worth defending than the hearts and minds of these precious little ones who are now uh, of the generation that will be taking the lead for future generations. And I want to do all that is in, in me for the years wherein I've been put on the planet to uproot as much evil as possible and plant seeds of what is good, uh, beautiful and true. I think I think that's the sacred task that all of us have been given as parents and grandparents. I so appreciate what you're doing to shine flash, a flashlight on evil so that uh, people within the community, uh, they, they live, 
can uproot evil at the in their own homes, in their local community levels, and then uh, through voting and and getting involved in the culture, even at the national level. And so I'm trying to do my part in my sphere of influence by crisscrossing the nation, going to public libraries, reading my children's book called As You Grow. It teaches kids about biblical wisdom and the fruit of the spirit. That's uh, love, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the values that made America and they're the only values that can sustain a society with lasting liberty and justice for all. Uh, whether you're trans, whether you're not trans, whether you're black or white, male or female, all of us benefit from the values that lead to effective self-government. That's the most important form of government and the only form of government that will allow a free republic like ours to long exist. So true. Amen. And Kirk, you know, I, I am amazed at people who find ways to argue with the fruits of the spirit. I don't think that there is uh, anything that you can argue uh, with those values about. But one of them is peace. And I know that there were some protesters who were threatening to show up and to break up the peace that you uh, that you espouse at your events. But at least in D.C., I don't think many of them showed up. Is that right? No, not many showed up. So this was a case of the the, uh, the bark being worse than the bite. We, we actually had a, a great turnout of families at the Cleveland Park Library in Washington, D.C. And uh, we even had a, a service member show up there and thanked him for his service, brought his kids. But in a day and age where there is a lack of peace, because there's such an upending of culture and a concerted effort to indoctrinate the most innocent among us, our children, with this upside-down morality, we have school shootings – we have people who are desperately trying to fix the chaos in their heads, and they do it in backwards and upside down ways. Uh, what I believe is that true healing for the individual and the nation happens from the inside out. And that's why I'm offering an alternative to these woke and broke ideas that never, never heal society by um, throwing money at it, uh, cutting off body parts, uh, uh, infusing chemicals uh, from the outside to try to change your identity, but to say, let's turn our hearts back to God, let's love one another, and let's continue to build upon the principles that our forefathers and foremothers left us and find our identity in friendship with God and in unity with one another. And let's advance truth and let's amplify light. If we do it together, the darkness doesn't stand a chance. Such an important mission. And also, it's uh, over history, it's proven to work. There's nothing like amplifying light. I want to ask you about something. Um, I've had the pleasure to meet you a few times. And you have this inevitably joy in you. And I, I mean, we saw it when you were a young actor on Growing Pains, the way you made us laugh. But you have this... But you know what, John? I'm also an actor. I could be faking the whole thing. <laughs> oh, say it isn't so. <laughs> say it isn't so. There is something you can't fake. It's an honest joy that you have. And you're a joyful warrior. And, you know, I, I grew up as a young reporter. My first president I got to cover was Ronald Reagan. And he'd have these extraordinary oh. moments uh, in, the, in the Cold War with, with uh, a terrible economy at the beginning of his thing, the Iran hostage crisis. And he never lost that sense of optimism. He did not. Never left. Never, never lost it. 
You, a lot of conservatives today are a little dour. They seem, I think they're so tired from the battle. How do you keep that happiness, even like in the face of cancel culture, even in the face of ridicule that goes on in the mean tweets in the world? You always keep that joyfulness, that optimism. How do you do it and how, why is that important for espousing conservative values? I'll tell you exactly where it comes from. I, it's no mistake that uh, I am a recovering atheist. I, I, I used to reject the, what I thought was the silly notion of God, and now I fully embrace not only the notion but the relationship. And so as a Christian, I understand that it's never too late for good to triumph over evil. In fact, I don't think we're fighting for victory. I think we're fighting from victory, and God has made it so that our hope is never coming from the White House. It's not flying in on Air Force One or through a new uh, stimulus package or a welfare program. The hope that we have in this country is in the power of God working in the hearts of people. And revival, historically, has always come during times of moral decline, spiritual apathy, and economic uh, collapse. I think that this cultural setback is really a divine setup for a spiritual comeback led by the family of faith. And I want to do my part, and I so appreciate all you're doing uh, in your sphere of influence as well. Yeah, I mean, even here in California, the Azusa Street Revival took place here, and people would never even imagine that something like that happened in California. I wanted to ask you, though, my, you know, I live in Los Angeles. My husband and I are uh, consistently having this revolving conversation evolving conversation revolving around how to raise kids as far as their exposure to modern day poisonous society. And you see things like homesteading getting really popular and people who want to move off the grid as opposed to living in right. cities or suburbs. And where, where is the balance? And, and maybe, maybe it is binary decision. Maybe one is better than the other. But how do you strike that balance between wanting to, to, to shield your children from so much evil in this world, yet also exposing them so that they can be warriors for truth later in life? What a great question. I'm, I'm, I, that's why I appreciate talking with you is that we can actually have a real conversation. And this isn't just sound bites for ratings. Uh, this is something that we've got to figure out in our generation. Other generations have had to do it, too. Uh, I think we also have to balance um, the fact that technology is not going anywhere. We don't want to uh, all go back and become Amish and, and ride horses and buggies. I think cars are here to stay. And so we want to teach our children at the appropriate age how to use technology because they can use it to advance the good. Um, and I think that we've also got to balance the tension between loving individuals who are trapped in an ideology that is damaging to them and injuring them. We want to help them, but we also want to fight against, uh, the ideology itself that is destroying generations of children and, uh, is corrupting our politics so how do we fight as warriors against evil and yet have compassion toward those who are trapped in it? And I think ultimately that's where our, our faith with God and love for one another has to come back. All right, folks, one more segment to go. A little Dutch politics on this Sunday before Easter, Sunday before Passover. We're going to talk to Michael Watley, the chairman of the Republican National Committee. He's got a few thoughts about how the Donald Trump indictment's going to play out around this country politically. We'll have that right after the commercial break. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Welcome back, America. Our next guest is one of the brightest minds in all of politics. He's also the newest, newly minted general counsel of the Republican National Committee and, of course, the current chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party, where he has done some extraordinary things over the last few years. He's our good friend, Michael Watley, and he joins us right now. Michael, good to have you back on the show, sir. It's always good to be on with you, too. We love conversing with you, and I just want to get your big picture. You're a lawyer, you're a political figure. Did you ever think you'd find a day where the court of law would be used to settle an election score? Not in the United States of America. This is exactly what we expect in banana republics all around the world. But uh, it is an egregious abuse of power. Uh, what we have seen uh, the, the district attorney do uh, up there in New York and, and really, truly, this is the definition of weaponization of the legal system uh, to go after a political opponent. Sir, one of the things that struck me uh, yesterday was the date. It was, I think, the what 42nd anniversary of the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan's life. And we saw what happened to President Reagan in the following election. He won, what, 49 out of 50 states. It was an absolute blowout. Um, I don't know if in today's in today's political climate, with everything being so polarized, if, if it would swing that far in that direction. But do you expect this to blow back on Democrats in a way they definitely didn't intend? I, I certainly do. I mean, and, and when you think about it, you have every single Republican presidential candidate you have the leaders of the House and the Senate Republicans, the leader of, of the RNC, are all on exactly the same page, which is criticizing uh, the, the district attorney for the steps that he's taken here. Uh, this is a brazen political move uh, that has no basis, no grounding whatsoever in the law. Yeah, that's very true. Um, there are a lot of immigrants who came to this country to escape countries that do the things that we've just seen in the last 12 hours for all those immigrants who came here from the Soviet Union, from Cuba, from Venezuela, from the African dictator countries, this has to be unnerving to think that the last great bastion of freedom of America has a little touch of what they fled a few years ago. Uh, do they speak up in this? Do you see a lot of maybe immigrants to this country saying, no, don't do this here, we fled this? Yeah, look, I mean, they came here for a reason, right? And they came here because of the rule of law. And we have got to have a rule of law that's going to be upheld no matter who the president is, no matter who the district attorneys are. You know, when you talk about uh, trying to to elevate charges from a misdemeanor uh, to a felony solely for the purpose of evading, you know, your statute of limitations, things that we're seeing in this case, uh, it really is very troubling. Uh, you also have had a, a previous district attorney turn it down. The district uh, or the Department of Justice has turned this down. The FEC has said that there was no violation here of campaign election laws. So every single prosecutor who has ever taken a look at this has decided that they were going to pass on it. And yet you have a, a prosecutor who ran solely on this issue and said, if you elect me, I will prosecute Donald Trump. That is not the way the law is supposed to be used. And we can't really see it being weaponized like this without long term ramifications. Yeah. Mm. Sir, I think a lot of Republican voters are looking for the RNC to support President Trump in, in some ways or another. I know legally uh, there are rules as far as what support you can offer him because he's not the nominee. But can you kind of can you kind of expound on that a little bit? What what is within the RNC's power that they can do to support him? And will they? 
Well, I think right now the biggest thing that everybody's doing, no matter who it is. I mean, you've got you've got Ron DeSantis, you've got Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, every one of the candidates, including uh, us at the RNC. Ron McDaniel has put out a statement saying that this is a travesty of justice. This is this is uh, an abuse of power. Uh, and that's what's going to happen. You know, first, look, there is going to be a legal process. Uh, unlike Nancy Pelosi said, uh, there is a presumption of innocence, not of guilt. Uh, and they're going to have to prove their case in court. Uh, and then we can we can look at the long term political consequences. I think right now it's a little bit too early for us to be able to tell what those political consequences are going to be. But, uh, you know, as far as the Republican Party understanding that this is wrong, uh, you've got 100 percent of the party unified on that. Yeah, we've seen that in the last 12 hours. There's no doubt about that. Sir, one quick question for you. Uh, did the block before us, uh, Congressman Austin Scott from the great state of Georgia said, one of the things Republicans might consider is stripping the immunity of prosecutors at the local or federal level who use their job to settle political vendettas. Do you think that's a winning issue among everyday Americans? You know, look, I think that uh, many Americans see this type of inside baseball is really problematic on every side. They do not want to see the weaponization of politics. You know, you go back to uh, the bogus charges that were laid against Tom DeLay or, or against right. Governor McDonald in Virginia. You know, there's just example after example where, where Democrats have gone after uh, Republicans and, and the American people don't want to see that. And, and I think that it's going to have election ramifications. I mean, certainly uh, this is a result of elections, but it is going to have an impact on future elections uh, where the American people don't want to see this kind of politics. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. It's a great honor to have you on every day. A big thank you to our guests, Ron Johnson, Andrew Clyde, Austin Scott, Kirk Cameron, and Michael Watley. A lot of food for thought on a Sunday before Easter. Very grateful for their time, their thought, the honest conversations we get to have with them each week. All right, with that, it's time to send you into the Sunday afternoon. Go enjoy. May God bless you, your family, this weekend that you have a joyous time as we prepare for a very holy season ahead, the season of Passover, the season of Easter coming up over the next few days. We'll have a great show all next week. But until then, we just want to wish you a blessed Sunday afternoon. May God bless you and this great country. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.